Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Yeah, could I have a number three with cheese and uh, a large coffee? Man, does this smell good. Wolfing down your lunch. Serving up today's top sports stories with Wolf and Lou. Hey, boys. Presented by Stadium Swim at Circa Resort and Casino, Las Vegas' ultimate sports fan destination. All right, it is noon on a Thursday. What better time for Wolf and Down Your Lunch? Uh, Aaron Melonius here. Aaron? The Arizona Cardinals are gearing up to take on the Vikings on Sunday as the first injury report of the week was a lengthy one that was released yesterday. So Max Garcia, Dennis Gardeck, Rodney Hudson, DJ Humphreys, Christian Matthew, and Jalen Thompson did not participate, while Kelvin Beecham, James Conner, Zach Ertz, Cody Ford, Matt Prater, J.J. Watt, and Daryl Williams were limited. Now that was yesterday. (laughs) The Cardinals are currently practicing as we speak. They're out on the field right now. And according to Darren Urban, he did not see Rodney Hudson, DJ Humphreys, Dennis Gardeck, Christian Matthew, and Max Garcia out there in the open portion of practice today. I did see that Jalen Thompson was out there. Right. So that is good. That's that's good. Instead of 13 guys, it's just 12. But has Cliff Kingsbury ever dealt with so many injuries? Not um, like this just yet, but a lot of them aren't um, season-ending, which is good. You know, hopefully we'll get them back at some point, but we, we got to be able to stay healthy and get some consistency. To make matters worse, the Vikings only had one player on their injury report, and he practiced in full. <laughs> no! <laughs> so ridiculous. how concerning is this? Uh, it's an issue. I mean, there's no way to look at the injuries the Cardinals have had this season and think it hasn't impacted them at all. Now, maybe their record would still be the same, Wolf. Maybe they'd still be 3-4. and four. I'm not I'm not throwing it out there as an excuse for the offense, but I feel a lot better about this offense, or really any offense, when they have their starting offensive line. And the Cardinals have been playing without Rodney Hudson here for a little while, and they don't have Justin Pugh either. And we've seen the difference that makes for this team. There's no doubt about it, man. I want Once again, I've been talking about it all season long. I've never seen anything like this. The degree in which the Arizona Cardinals have players that are banged up, nicked up, in the training room, missing games, whatever it may be, limited in practice. I've never seen anything like this. And then again, you start looking in the, you start looking at the who. And it's Rodney Hudson and now DJ Humphreys. You tell me right now you don't have Justin Pugh. If Rodney Hudson and DJ Humphreys aren't able to play, they're going to be in real, real trouble come Sunday. Yeah, it's not just the quantity of the injuries, it's the quality of the players, too. Usually, you'd like to think you only have to deal with one or the other. Cardinals are getting ready to head to Minnesota, though, and they will be facing a few familiar faces in Patrick Peterson and Jordan Hicks. So does Buda Baker keep in touch with either of his former teammates? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. You know, I keep in touch with them a little bit. I haven't talked to, uh, you know, them this week at all, but of course I keep in touch with them. You know, they're probably going to be very excited going against the Cardinals just because, you know, to play for a team for, you know, many years, especially P2, and to now go to your second team and to play that team you're with is kind of, you know, kind of special, I feel like for him so it's definitely going to be a, a great game and a very fun game um you know we're not friends though you know we're we're, we're going against them each and every play we're going to be talking we're going to be doing all the things possible to win that game and uh that's it do you think there's a little extra something 
for Patrick Peterson and Jordan Hicks this week. Yeah, I was looking to see if his, uh, I, I haven't heard his podcast this week, but no. I just looked, he does talk about the Cardinals on it. Is so. this a trick question? <laughs> it's rhetorical. Uh, man, I think mean, Patrick Peterson in particular, he's going to be jacked up, fired up, ready to go. He really, really is. I just, can I just say I love Buda Baker? You uh, can. I mean, this you guy, have before. This guy, um, he, he's one of the fiercest football players you're ever going to see on a football field. And yet you listen to him, the joy in his voice and coming from his heart. You can feel it when he talks, the joy of just being a professional football player and playing the game of football and talking about dudes that play the game of football. The joy that comes from his heart, man. I love this guy. He just throws himself into people when he's tackling them, too. I mean, that's as a he fan. He runs into the darkness. He does. He runs right totally. into the darkness. Didn't he uh, make fun of your backpack once? Yeah, he did. Okay. Yeah, I'm yeah. not going to say it. Your merch? Yeah, I know. No. He called it a purse. Yeah. I said, Buddha, knock it off. It's an attache case. It's not a purse. This is, this is why I like Buddha Baker. Yeah, right. On this day in 2019, the Cardinals acquired running back Kenyon Drake in a trade with the Miami Dolphins for a 2020 conditional draft pick. So with the NFL trade deadline coming up on Tuesday, do you expect the Cardinals to do anything? I kind of think you have to. Um, you know, I don't know how much the result of Sunday's game plays into it, Wolf, but certainly if you win and you're 4-4, four and four, if Rodney Hudson is, like, if he doesn't play and you win and you're already playing without Justin Pugh, you know, like you said yesterday, you're not going to be able to go out and get a replacement for Rodney Hudson, but maybe some O-line depth. I mean, if you're 4-4, four and four, you are very much in this. You might be yes. tied for first if you're 4-4. Four and four. Yeah, no, honestly, I'm with you on that one. Um, it's the offensive line that really is concerning me right now. Uh, Rodney Hudson, uh, I think it's going to be this way for the rest of the year. I don't think it's it's not like his knee is going to go away at any time soon. I think it's going to be, this is a day-to-day process for Rodney Hudson. He's going to be day-to-day for the rest of the year. And that sucks buttermilk. I'm glad Billy Price is here, seriously. Yeah. Because if he plays like he did against the Saints, okay. Um... Not as good as Rodney Hudson, in my opinion. But you can get by. Yet at the same time, okay. Uh, Billy Price was able to hold up and did a good job. Um, but, man, that depth on the offensive line is really concerning to me right now. So if Steve Kime somehow, some way, could pull off a trade, especially for an interior offensive lineman, I think that'd be huge. So NFL.com... Like looked at around the NFL and some fits for the potential trade deadline. They had Kareem Hunt getting traded to the Seahawks. Who do you think will be the biggest name getting traded at the deadline? Uh, Kareem Hunt would be a big name if he gets dealt. Cam Akers. I mean, I Christian McCaffrey was a big name. Yeah, I don't think anybody will be bigger than McCaffrey. Do you? I know. It's um. No. I don't even know who, who could be bigger bigger than McCaffrey that would get dealt. I do think Cam Akers will get dealt. I kind of think Brandon Cooks probably should get dealt. That's a name that's been tossed out there a lot. So I would say one of those two. Okay, here's the thing I I cannot tolerate. Um, Kareem Hunt becoming a Seahawk. They don't even need him. Okay, can I just... Right. They don't need him. Knock it off. We don't need Kareem Hunt up there in Seattle. And yet that's exactly why I think that I could believe 
will happen. <laughs> Kenneth Walker's already the heavy odds-on favorite to win Rookie of the Year. He didn't even play the first couple games. Yeah, I know. Kareem Hunt up there, that's exactly the kind of back I think they need. And Kareem Hunt is the guy that can catch the ball coming out of the backfield. And he's also a guy that can run exactly the kind of plays and offense that Pete Carroll wants to run up there. He'd be really, really good. Please. Don't allow Kareem Hunt to be a Seahawker. We're all in trouble. And then on this day, 38 years ago, West Virginia <laughs> defeated Penn State 17 to 14. First time in and 32 none, years. And none other than Ronald Paul Wolfley was the one to get things going for the Mountaineers. No touchdown scored against Penn State the last two games. This is Penn, uh, West Virginia's second chance. And we've got six minutes to go in the first quarter. We're right up the middle again. This time, Wolfley. From three yards out. And West Virginia comes out smoking. On Wolfley, he goes between Scott Burroughs, 54, 77, Brian Josiak. Take a look at it. They're going right to the left, right up the middle. There's excellent blocking at the point of attack at the line of scrimmage. And there is Ron Wolfley from Orchard Park, New York, scoring a touchdown. Taste it! <laughs> All you Nittany Lions, taste it, baby! That was so... Man, I remember that. We beat them 17-14. The first time West Virginia had beat Penn State in 32 years. And the guy that was actually the quarterback was my roommate my freshman year when I came in. That was my senior year, by the way, that we beat him. Okay, 17-14, first time in 32 years. And the quarterback, the starting quarterback, was Kevin White. Kevin White, of course, from Casa Grande, Arizona. Wow. Casa Grande, Arizona. Quarterback hotbed, known as Casa Grande. Yes, and my roommate my freshman year. Small world. Kevin White. And also on this day, 37 years ago, you did have three carries for eight yards against the Oilers. You raised your average. <laughs> so your rookie year. So I got you too. Is that what you're saying? That's basically. Definitely got me too. Two and, two and some change. Can we, can we not bury the lead? Your middle name is the same as Paul Calvisi's first name? Yeah. Okay. How has that never right. come up on the show yeah. before? Well, well no, we, we knew that. Because Ronnie Paul. Yes, we did. Oh, that's right. Ronnie yeah. Paul. Even as I said it. Okay, thank you, Mel. <laughs> Appreciate that. Man, right, what a uh, kick in the face. Thanks Darren Maloney right there for wolfing down your lunch. We come back. Uh, do the Suns just not want Jay Crowder back? We'll get into that. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Sun's back at it tomorrow against New Orleans. Nice, easy schedule. Ease into the season, Wolf. Play Luca. Play Portland, who was on a roll, although Damian Lillard, I believe, got hurt last night. Play the Clippers, play Golden State, play New Orleans. Those are your first five games. So far, so good for the Suns. They've won three of the first four. Uh, This, though, did come up 
And it came up during the broadcast, the win over Golden State. I think it actually came up in the third quarter as the Suns were starting to pull away. But it was Chris Haynes. He was on TNT, and he had this to say uh, from Jay Crowder, kind of relaying this message from Jay. Honestly, this is unfamiliar ground for me. This is my 11th year, and I've always been in camp and started to gear off with my team. The business of basketball has taken its course, and change and changes have come. I do not want to get the details just yet, but it's definitely not true of the narrative being pushed about me not starting or not. I can honestly say that. I've had two great years with my teammates and the fans of Phoenix. I do not take that for granted. I'm forever grateful for the moments we share. Now, the logical follow-up to that then is, okay, what's going on? If this is not Jay Crowder's decision that he's not playing... Do the Suns, do they not want him? So James Jones was on with Burns and Gambo yesterday, and they asked him about the comments from Jay Crowder. No, I have nothing to add to that situation. Um, I said before, when we have a resolution, we have a resolution. Um, last night was about you know uh, competing and, and trying to, to beat a good opponent at home, and we did that. And, and so we'll continue to try to figure out how we can improve as a team, and uh, that will remain our focus going forward. In other words, Wolf, what is going on? Yeah, what is going on? What do you think is going on right now, Luke? I, I usually, in in any situation that, that gets to this point, it's usually a lot of things, right? If if there's if that relationship has ended, it's not typically one thing. It's a bunch of little things. It maybe it is that Jay wanted to start, and maybe he wasn't happy about that. But maybe the Suns were like, if he's not going to be happy about that, but he'll still play. Maybe we just don't want him around the team anyway. If he's going to be, if it's going to be an issue, if it's no. going to be a distraction, like you said earlier, he does have a big personality. I don't know Jay Crowder. I like Jay Crowder. I would yeah. assume if he's upset about something, he probably doesn't hide it. Yeah, here, here's the one thing, though. We heard when this all came down, we heard that Jay Crowder wanted to start and wanted an extension on his contract. Mm-hmm. Wanted hey, He wanted that. And when I listened to Jay Crowder right there, or at least um, not Jay Crowder, the, the guy Chris that Chris Haynes reading Haynes. from the works of Jay Crowder. Exactly. Uh, reporting on it. To me, um, he says the business of yeah, basketball. Yeah, the business is what stood out the 17th time I And he it. doesn't actually reference whether or not he wanted an extension. And that tells me maybe that's what it was with Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder saying, I want this narrative, I want it out there right now, that it wasn't about starting. It wasn't about that. It was about the business of basketball, which, of course, involves contracts and an extension. And um, so maybe he's telling part of the truth. Yeah. Does that make sense? No, you're probably right, honestly. It just, that even doesn't add up for me. But I say that through the lens that nothing really seems to add up here. Because if I'm Jay Crowder and I want an extension, he was, he signed for this year. The extension is for next year and beyond. Yeah. So could I see a scenario where they go to Jay and they're like, hey, Cam's going to be the starter. And Jay's like, well, I'm trying to get paid next offseason. So uh, that, I don't like that. Can you, how about you guys give me an extension? I don't have to worry about that. Then maybe I'll go to the bench. I'll be the sixth man. I don't have to worry about impressing some other team. You guys give me the extension. And the Suns are like, we're not extending you because we're paying Cam. We just paid Mikel. We just paid DA. We just paid Booker. Like, you understand why the Suns probably aren't going to pay Jay Crowder. And he's like, okay, well then trade me, I guess. Or I don't, or maybe he doesn't even say trade me. Maybe they just are like, he's not happy and we don't want him being unhappy around DA and around Cam Johnson and around our team as we're trying to finally win this title. But 
That's that's good right there by you. But, but that's, you just nailed it right there. But, I mean, but either way, it all adds up to Jay Crowder's not playing in a year where he needs to play if he wants to get paid. Yeah, maybe it, it's a situation where they already know that Jay Crowder is such a huge personality inside that locker room and inside their culture, a huge personality with an awful lot of influence. And maybe it was just a situation where they didn't want all of that dominance from Jay Crowder. Um, one of the alpha males walking around that locker room, one of the enforcers, I would say, walking around that locker room. Maybe he just didn't want, they just didn't want his influence over some of these younger guys. We were talking about this a little bit earlier. Cam Johnson and, and DeAndre Ayton and campaign, these young guys that are making their way through the NBA, growing as men as much as players right now. And I've been around situations where I can tell you there have been dominant personalities that were at odds with the organization, dominant people that were at odds with the organization that um, had great influence in the locker room. And the organization really didn't want that kind of influence in the locker room. And I'm not just talking about the Arizona Cardinals. I'm not talking about the St. Louis Cardinals. I'm talking about the Cleveland Browns as well. I've been in situations where I have seen this up close and personal and uh, to some degree in the St. Louis as well with the Rams. I've seen situations where there were dominant personalities, and if in fact they were at odds... They tried to get them out. So where does where does it all go now? Because I just keep coming back to the fact that Jay Crowder still has a lot to give and just isn't playing. And so if it was if it was the Suns saying, okay, yeah, and maybe we don't want this guy, he might be an issue going forward. Let's uh, let's let's work with Jay. Where hey Jay, you work with us. You keep quiet. You know, let's not make this. Let's not air out our dirty laundry because it's going to make it harder for us to trade you. But what if they can't come up with a good trade? It does no good for the Suns to get some contending team's second-round pick for Jay Crowder. Okay, thank you for handing me literally nothing for a guy that played a big role on my team last year when we won 64 games and the year before when we made the NBA Finals. So at a certain point, is there still that chance where they're like, we can't get anything that we want for you, Jay. How about you just come back and play? But do they not? for lack of a better word, trust him to be able to just be focused on this season if he's worried about his contract. I mean, this is all speculation, but that's all we have to go off of. Right. Um, You know, for me, again, I wonder why Jay Crowder chose this time to speak to Chris Haynes. You know, why now? Um, Why not two weeks ago? Why not come out and say, listen, this, this trade situation is not happening soon enough, James. Um, and by the way, uh, my reputation is being dragged through the mud when you're sitting here talking about, I, I wanted to start. And if I wasn't going to start, well, you know what? That's it. I'm not going to play. I'm not coming off the bench. Um, that to me, I, I would have been concerned about that if that was not true. And I was Jay Crowder um, because that's my reputation. Yeah. And Jay's been in the league for a long time. I'm guessing. Again, I'm just guessing that maybe he and the Suns had talked and it was like, hey, we're trying to trade you, which will help you and us. Don't don't drive your value down by talking or don't make it look like there's a rift between us. But but 
you know, that's the, a big possibility. The flip side is now we're four games into the season, and if I'm Jay Crowder, I'm looking at the Suns bench, and all of a sudden guys are kind of starting to step up, and I'm becoming more replaceable in Phoenix. I don't think they're at that point, but if I were Jay Crowder and I'm watching Jock Landale play better and I'm watching some of these other guys, they're moving on without you, and you're just working out. <laughs> waiting to get traded it's it's a bad it's a much worse situation for him than the suns we would you agree know, with that right because there's other players there they can and and are bringing in yeah and again um a big personality can be a problem inside any team environment i i think it's jerome bettis man jerome bettis not a problem just wanted to be paid and I was blocking for him in 1995, and he was a problem. <laughs> Next thing I know, he's with Pittsburgh. Did he have a good career pretty, with the Steelers? Pretty good career yeah. with the Steelers, yeah, as it turns out. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. When we come back, the Cardinals and Kyler Murray are looking for answers in NFL-wide offensive struggles. So what exactly is the key? We're going to break that down next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke Middays, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Welcome back to the show. It is Wolf and Luke on a Thursday now afternoon. Thursday night football tonight, Wolf. Ravens, Buccaneers. And I'm looking forward to this. I really am. I think this is going to be a good game. Juicy. Yeah, Tampa's, I mean, you, you've got to be fairly close to desperation mode, right? I know you're in a division where eight wins may win you the division, but you still, you don't want to start the season three and five if you have Tom Brady as your quarterback. No, you do not. Um, I think what's even bigger right now for the Buccaneers is that Tom Brady plays well. That Tom Brady goes out and looks like Tom Brady. Even if you lose the game because of the division that you play in. Um, okay, so you go to three and five. You still got a chance to right the ship in the second half of the season. But Tom Brady has got to be at the core of that. And if he isn't, you're in a full-on rebuild. When have you ever had to say that sentence of, I think it's important for them to get Tom Brady playing well again? Like in the last 20 years, yeah, how often has that, that. ever that. ever actually come up? And uh, Baltimore, not the easiest team to get right against. All right, as far as the Cardinals, and this kind of ties into Tampa Bay, because Tampa is a team you would look at and say, well, they got Chris Godwin, they got Mike Evans, uh, who's not signing autographs for officials. Don't ever think about that. Uh, you've, you've got Leonard Fournette. <laughs> you've, got some, you've got all these pieces. Well, I'm sure they're scoring some points, right? Tampa's actually scoring... 17.7 points a game. Think about that. Tom Brady's your quarterback. Tom Brady's your quarterback. 17.7 points a game. Man. That's five points less per game than the Cardinals. Yes, and all I can think of as well is the fact that you've got a team with Tom Brady as your quarterback that can't run the ball, cannot run the ball, does not attack the line of scrimmage, is awful when it comes to the physicality of the game. They are one-dimensional from the very first snap of the game, or so it seems. 17.7 points per game is not good, and yet there are six teams that are either tied with Tampa or worse in the NFL right now. Some of them make sense. Carolina, Houston, the Rams. The Rams, the defending Super Bowl champs, are scoring 17.3 points per game. The Colts, who are obviously a mess. The Steelers... (laughs) 
<laughs> the Denver Broncos who are scoring two touchdowns a game and that's it. Although anybody who's watched the Broncos knows it's not two touchdowns. It's like four field goals and a safety for them to get to 14 points. I crunched the numbers on this, Wolf. You've got 10 teams in the NFL right now scoring less, averaging less than 19 points per game. And we're like coming up on the midway point of the season. Two years ago, there were two teams. Yeah. Averaging less than 19 points a game. Yeah. You know, what's happening right now, defensive coordinators in the National Football League, they have uh, colluded, (laughs) if you will. Everybody's ripping everybody else off. And what's happening is now, because of all these explosive offenses, you got a lot of cover two shell that is being played right now. That's two safeties high. You got five underneath. If you can rush four and actually get pressure, if you can rush four and get pressure on an opponent, Opposing quarterback while playing that cover two shell, man, you've got you've got a great chance of limiting big plays against your defense. And that's what defensive coordinators are doing. You want to go ahead and dink and dunk your way down the field? Go have at it, man. The bend but don't break philosophy of defenses is here. Especially here to stay. When half the kickers in the league are hurt. So go ahead. You can march down to our 25. You may not be able to make or even attempt the field goal. Yeah, you know, they'll give up field goals all day long. It's the touchdowns that I think defensive coordinators right now are trying to obviously limit. But this is philosophy, man. And because of that, you've got to change with it. You, when you hear me say this, Luke, all the time, you got to be whatever you need to be in order to beat your opponent. That's Bill Belichick, ladies and gentlemen. That's not me. That's Bill Belichick. We need to be capable of being anything that we need to be to beat somebody else. And when I see all these cover two shells that are being played by all these teams, you have to be able to run the ball. Run the ball, man. You got two safeties high. Run the ball. That is the answer. And it's one of the reasons why you got to be good at everything, Luke. You got to be good at the deep ball. You got to be good if 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 it takes big plays to beat a team because they're not playing a lot of the cover two shell because they're playing a single safety in the middle of the field and they play a lot of press man and they're walking a robber down into the ball, whatever it may be. Hey, you got to take some shots down the field. You got to attack that single safety in the middle of the field. You got to beat somebody. Some man coverage. You got to beat it. You got to be capable of doing it. And if they're going to play a lot of cover three, well, yeah, we're going to dink and dunk our way down the field. A lot of cover two, the same thing. You got to be capable of doing that. But you also have to be capable of running the ball, man, especially when you get into the red zone. It's also one of the reasons why scoring is down because the red zone, the red zone scoring is down. How many times do you get a possession in the red zone, and how many times do you convert it into a touchdown? This is what's going on in the National Football League. you got to be capable of doing it all. And if you're not, you're killing yourself, Luke. Cliff Kingsbury uh, talked yesterday about the fact that there are low quarterback numbers, sort of to your point right there, Wolf, across the entire league right now. I don't have an answer on that. I mean, 
a couple of those guys are still putting up big numbers. Um, but yeah, overall, I think offensively, a lot of teams aren't playing as well as they like, and everybody's trying to figure it out. Yeah, I mean, there are some guys that seem to be, and some teams that seem to be unfazed by this. The Chiefs are not slowing down at all. The Bills are not slowing down. Uh, Joe Burrow didn't start strong. Cincinnati didn't, but Joe Burrow, if you look over like the last four weeks, he's really taken off. So that's three truly elite quarterbacks with Mahomes, Allen, yeah. and and uh, and Joe Burrow. Um, but to your point, you kind of have to adapt because clearly defenses collectively are figuring something out. It's not just the Cardinals. The reason I bring up the Cardinals offense and and where it is, it's 15th in the NFL in terms of points per game. We've all watched them. They don't pass the eye test the first six weeks. They were better on Thursday night. But this Cardinals offense has been a mess for a good chunk of these games, and yet more than half the league has been worse than them statistically. It's unbelievable. Yeah, and you know, once again, it's because of what is happening in the league. And defensive coordinators, they sit there and they watch tape. They, they watch a lot of tape. Ron Wolfley reporting. A ton of tape, as well, a matter of fact. News. It's incredible how much tape they watch. And all of a sudden, you're going to say, you know what, um, man, this worked against this offense. This defensive coordinator that I'm watching, he went out and played a ton of cover two. Cover two, man. You got you got Tampa two, as a matter of fact. You got all these different variations of cover two. Why don't we do that? Wolf's Playbook for Dummies. Cover two. Zone cover, two safeties deep, five underneath with corners rolled up, rush four. (laughs) With the corners rolled up as well, yes. They've got force, which means, of course, anything that comes their way, they got to force it, turn it back inside, ladies and gentlemen. All right, so cover two, Tampa two, pass apart two. <laughs> One of those doesn't okay, fit. That was good. That's, that's what well, I always think. Say when it you say that. Man, pass a no, I don't have that. Uh, whatever. I don't even know what accent that is. All right, week eight of Bix picks is underway. Text pick to six twenty six twenty to sign up and compete against Dan Bickley for your chance at the grand prize seventy five inch TV, courtesy of Corona Extra. Weekly winners are going to receive an NFL jersey of their choice and a fifty dollar gift card to Cold Beers and Cheeseburgers. I would take that right now. So text pick to six twenty six twenty to enter. Coming up next. We'll go through the latest news around the National Football League. Pete Carroll isn't happy. We'll explain why. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Time to go around the National Football League as week eight is going to begin here in just a few hours, Wolf. And let's start with, (laughs) you know what, I'm going to hold off on the Russell Wilson story. Let's start with Pete Carroll coming off a game against the Chargers that saw Mike Williams get hurt at SoFi Stadium, uh, J.C. Jackson. And for Seattle, DK Metcalf. Here's Pete Carroll on the constant injuries. I think we need. I think we definitely need to look at this really seriously in the offseason again. I mean, it's been a discussion before. We got to do what's right, and we got to do what's, what's safest for the players, and we got to make those choices. And I, I mean, I would pound pound on the drum for that. And if I know that there's numbers and there's studies, you got to figure out where the study comes from and who's you know who's paying for it. I mean, there's a lot of stuff here that we got to figure out. We got to do the right thing, but we we definitely need to keep looking at it because. Every now and then, it just feels like something's, something's up, and uh, too many guys going down. When, you know, just when they're not even touching anybody. You know, so 
Anyway, we'll, we'll see. And then the turfs are way better than they used to be and all that kind of stuff, but we just got to see. I know I'm getting in trouble here, so shut up. <laughs> I love the that ending. Was of that was great right there. Um, he's right, though. There's no doubt he is right. I used to love playing on grass. Oh, grass was the greatest. There's no doubt it is the greatest. This turf is so much better today um, than it was. Pete is absolutely right about this. But eventually, the NFL needs to go back to grass. It's one of the best things about State Farm Stadium is the fact that the Betty Crocker tray rolls in and rolls out. You remember how fascinated we were by that when we were doing the shows out there during camp? Even though we've seen it happen a million times, how we were so fascinated by the one guy that stands in front of the grass. Yes. As what are you doing? <laughs> Those were simpler times. White pants. Two months ago. It was a simpler time. Dude in the white pants. What are you doing? Well, we were fascinated by the fact of, do you have to wear white pants for the turf to actually move? Could you wear normal jeans? Yeah, you know, I think this is going to happen at some point in time going forward. It's not going to happen all at once. It's going to have to be a phase-out More white the pants? years. Oh, you mean no. okay. turf. Yeah, <laughs> that makes more sense. Uh, Russell Wilson. There's been some speculation and some confusion as to how he spent the eight-hour plane ride to London. We have another London game, too. We've got a lot of London games coming up. But this London's is how, calling. This is uh, that's a song. It was an eight-hour flight here. That's the first two hours I was watching the film, watching all the cut-ups and everything else. And then for the next four hours, I was doing treatment on the plane. I was walking up and down the aisles. Everybody was knocked out. I was doing high knees and working on, working on my legs and everything else, You know, making sure I'm ready to rock. Uh, so that was good and then the last two hours of the last hour of that i, I watched uh, i fell asleep for one hour and i watched the film the rest so i feel great uh, ready to ready to roll um you know i'm super locked in and ready to uh hopefully get a big win in, in london wow that is really interesting mr perfect <laughs> i mean ross just russ just calm down for a can i rest. talk to you for a minute <laughs> Honestly, just let it go. Okay? We all know you're perfect. Can you imagine that? Let me paint the picture for you, okay? I, the Denver Broncos, they don't score. They don't no. move the ball. They lose a lot. Right. They have, the, the right now, the worst offense in football, and they had high expectations. Yes, okay? they did. So to try and fix your season, everybody's miserable. Everybody's just kind of like in their own heads. You're flying halfway across the planet to play Jacksonville in London. Yeah. So you're just you know, you're trying to maybe put football out of your mind for a little bit. You know, you're just trying to focus, maybe watch. I mean, here comes Russell Wilson just doing high knees down the aisle next yeah. to you on the plane. Right. What are you doing? Just stop it. Can I tell you right now, that is a brutal plane ride to over London. there. <laughs> yeah. Especially from Phoenix. Yeah, it's longer than eight hours. Brutal. Maybe you need to do more high knees on uh, the plane. <laughs> maybe that's what it is. And then I'll, for four more hours, I'll watch tape. That's what I'll do. <laughs> and then I'll plank while I'm watching the tape, right? <laughs> it have the little iPad on the ground. Yes. Yeah. Russ, of course, um, cooking even on the plane. Which I'm sure his teammates enjoyed. Uh, no word as to what Brett Rippon was doing on the plane ride. Based on how he played last game, I'm assuming he was not doing the high knees. <laughs> this, uh, we got into this very briefly before. I want to get into it again, though, because we got into it right as we were going to break. With, Russ uh, cares what you think. <laughs> Does he not? He cares. So, he probably doesn't want to hear what Broncos fans have to just, think. Just say. Or have to say. 
uh, although they're Broncos fans, so you're going to know. Here's uh, Matt Ryan on getting benched for Sam Ellinger. You know, as a, as a player, um, you, you just always anticipate, you know, it's next week, you're getting ready, you're, you're going to go. And so that's where your mindset's at. And, and there, there is a little bit of, of that surprise and shock or whatever uh, at the beginning. Uh, it's a decision they had to make, you know, as, as a player, as a teammate, you have to move forward. And, and you've, you've got to, you know, help out where you can. Should have done more uh, high knees, Matt, like Russell Wilson. Maybe that's why he's in the spot. I still can't believe it, man. I came clean earlier in the broadcast, but that was one of my guarantees. Well, no, it wasn't. I never guarantee anything. I never speak in absolutes. Anything could possibly happen, but I will tell you. That was an absolute. You just said you never speak in absolutes. Right, I know, but I don't. Um, except this one time. Except, well, yeah. this one. Okay. What's your point? <laughs> Mr. ironic. Yeah, you, you and Russell Wilson. <laughs> Hold on, That's do what more, you're doing. More high right knees now. during okay, the break. Okay, yeah, right. Okay, Luke, we all know you're perfect. <laughs> um, you just <laughs> you totally messed me up right there, uh, man. Look, I think most people Matt did Ryan, think Matt do Ryan you believe it? I thought he was going to go off. And he has done anything but. Now, that offensive line has been horrific. Yet at the same time, Matt Ryan, what do you, he's not good. What do you do if, if you're the Colts? Because you can't keep changing quarterbacks. And they do it every year. And in this case, halfway through the year. You know, Carson Wentz obviously... They had a miserable game with the season on the line against Jacksonville last year. And Carson Wentz was not the answer, per se, last year. But you can't just... You, you, you have to have some sort of consistency at that position. Is this them just saying, okay, we're going to take a guy in the draft? Yeah, I would Sam imagine Ellinger's that been is. been around for a while. Yeah, I would imagine you're going to take somebody high in the draft, of course. Um, you've got one more year of $19 million to Matt Ryan. How's that taste? <laughs> Expensive. Then again, why not draft a guy and let Matt Ryan, who seems to be a pretty good dude and a, a guy that I think would be an excellent mentor, why not let him work with that young guy for a year? The really curious thing about this for the Colts is they're not, they are a game out of first in their division. They're 3-3-1. Three, yeah. three and one. They're 500. They're right. not even like. There you go. So, so it's not like they got off to this 1-5 and five start and it's like, yeah, okay, we're probably, if things keep going like this, we're going to end up drafting a quarterback anyway. So let's do, basically you just said, Wolf, like if you had a C.J. Stroud and then you had Matt Ryan as his mentor on the, on, on the bench, that would be outstanding. I don't know that they're going to be bad enough to go down that path and if they are suddenly bad enough isn't that even more frustrating as a player if it's like yeah we were a game out of first we lost to Tennessee and all of a sudden you gave up on the season something tells me though we haven't seen the last of Matt Ryan seriously I don't think we've seen the last of him I could see him getting another opportunity later in the season and maximizing that opportunity Wow. Boy, they, you know what? Put that one in the archives <laughs> so I could be wrong not once, but twice. Doubling down on Matt <laughs> that Ryan. That would be awesome. <laughs> oh, my goodness. we got to put that into the audio file. <laughs> I don't know Double down. about Blackjack to make this reference, but Wolf's the guy splitting twos. <laughs> and everybody at the table is like, what are you doing? And you're like, I'll split these twos, too. Yes. You know what, Matt Ryan? Give me four I twos. admitted I was wrong on Matt Ryan. Now I'd rather be wrong twice. Wow, I just headline up. It's not over, Luke. (laughs) 
It's not over with the Indianapolis no, Colts and Matt Ryan. No, I, I'm just going to let you keep digging here. I'm going to. I want to read this. I, I don't know what's this headline on Tom Brady. I don't want to. I don't want to read it on the air because I don't know how legit it is. Uh, all right, we come back. The Cardinals injury report continues to grow, but not Minnesota's. Everything's just fine for Minnesota. How concerning is this? It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.